Two quick announcements in terms of the calendar is all we have for Life of the Church uh, today. They can also be found at the bottom of page 14 in your bulletin. Uh, first, we've been doing this for a little over a month now, but each and every Wednesday evening right here in this spot at 5.30 to 6, just a half hour, uh, there's a handful of us that gather for our evening prayer service. It is simply a block of time that is set aside every week for us as a church to come together to pray for the needs of ourselves, the needs of our church, our community, our world. Um, so I would like to not only invite, but also to encourage everyone to come out on Wednesday nights and to take advantage of the wonderful privilege that it is to come together as God's people, to call upon his name, and to lift up our prayers to him. So that'll be this Wednesday, and every Wednesday on, um, till Jesus comes, and we're going to gather and we're going to pray. Maybe not that far, but hey, come on down. Uh, the second, my wife informed me that last Sunday, I kept saying Saturday when it came to the Christmas Eve service. Christmas Eve is on Friday, this Friday. So this Friday, right here at 530 is our Christmas Eve candlelight and communion service. If you pay attention to my sir, uh, announcement last week and come on Saturday, you will likely either miss your Christmas dinner or you will find the building empty or both. So that is this Friday, 530 in the evening, to come to worship God as we anticipate and celebrate our Savior's incarnation. So two weeks ago, we had the wonderful privilege of receiving three communicant members and hearing their public profession of faith. And today we get to enjoy the blessing of that fourth member who I, I mentioned at the, at a few weeks ago of coming and hearing her pr public profession of faith. So at this time, I'd like to invite Addison Russ up to the front to stand right here in front of the pulpit. lovely outfit on your smiling face there you go so of the number of those who are baptized in infancy as members of the church of god by birthright and as heirs of the covenant promises the session has examined and approved addison russ who comes now to assume for herself the full privileges and responsibilities of her inheritance in the household of faith and you addison being present here to make a public profession of faith are to assent to the following declarations and promises by which you enter into a solemn covenant with God and his church. So here are those five questions. You already know them. Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope, save in his sovereign mercy, do you? And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation, as he is offered in the gospel, do you? Do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ, do you? And do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability, do you? And lastly, do you submit yourself to the governance and discipline of the church and promise to study its purity and peace, do you? Addison, now for your charge, I'm going to repeat the same charge that I gave the three, your fellow communicants, as they stood here a few weeks ago. It was one of the verses that we memorized from 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Right now, you've just demonstrated and professed your faith before the congregation. You are now a communing member and welcome to the Lord's table, but this isn't the end. The encouragement is for you to keep growing in your love for Christ and his church. 
to be a blessing to his church even as you are blessed by his church, to serve the church even as you are served, and to use even these vows that you have just made to continue growing as the disciple of Jesus that God has called you and equipped you to be. So let me pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we praise your name. And Jesus Christ, we praise you and thank you that you have promised that you will build your church and not even the gates of hell will prevail against her. And we ask that you would continue to build her today and thank you for just this picture of how you continue to build her this day. We thank you for Addison and for your work of grace in her. Thank you for calling her to yourself. And as she joins your church here at Covenant, we pray that she would grow in Christ by your spirit's power. May you even use her profession of faith this day to strengthen her and to strengthen all who are here hearing her profession. Use her amongst this body. May she bless and be blessed here. And may you be pleased to use all of us as your faithful disciples to build up and strengthen one another for your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our head. Amen. And Addison, you can go back to your seats. And as she goes back to her seats after the service at some point. After the service, do make a point of, of stopping Addison and welcoming her and as an official communicant member here at Covenant. So the refrain of our opening carol invites us, as we're going to sing, to come and to worship Christ. So let us then stand in worship through song by singing hymn 218, Angels from the Realms of Glory.
Please be seated. Please turn to the Advent Litany in your bulletins. The Lord our God is with us and is mighty to save us. Let us hear the love of God in these words from Isaiah. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, the Lord, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtain. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One is you. <laughs> Sorry about this. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife, deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. For a brief moment I deserted you, but, the great, but with great compassion I will gather you. In overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. On this fourth Sunday in Advent, along with the candles of hope, peace, and joy, we now light the candle of love. We are loved by God, and that love is proved through the sending of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God, your love for us is expressed in so many ways. The greatest expression of that love is through your son, Jesus. We praise you for your great love for us. Amen.
Let's spend a few moments in prayer, lifting up those desires of our hearts from the congregation. I'll lead in those that have been on my heart, but you can also pray for the ones that are led on your hearts too. So let's pray. Holy Father, how great and perfect is your love for your children, even as you said in Hebrews chapter 4, 4 through 6, since then we have a high... Uh, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You have beheld our fallen condition, God, and our broken fellowship, and you've looked upon us not with violence and contempt, but with pity and compassion. While we were yet sinners and offensive in every aspect, you sent your Son to the cross in our behalf, forgiving us our sins in Jesus Christ and purchasing us completely, body and soul. You have washed away our filth and shame and have opened the gates of heaven unto us delighting in us as a father his children. You have spared us no good thing, but have showered us with blessings realized both in the here and now and in the life to come. And we thank you, Lord, for all those blessings that you've given us and that you've given us through even this offering that we take in order to proclaim your gospel, to grow your kingdom, to facilitate the help of those around us and in this church helping those who are in need. Bless the gifts that you've given to us. And in so keeping with that debt of love we owe you, we respond now to those covenant blessings with our prayers and thanksgivings that you've commanded unto us. So great physician, we pray for those in our midst that are in the need of healing in spirit and body. For those suffering the evil of this pandemic, the Harbucks and the Gunthers. For those recovering from various ills, Bill Shanks, Marga Bogertz, Shaford Kinsler, Ray Samora, Bill Newell, Jill Brenneman, and Marcia Smith. And also for those that are scheduled for procedures, Jim Lewis and Michael Marion. God of hosts, we pray for the caregivers on the front lines, for the doctors and nurses and healthcare workers, for police and firemen, for parents in the home and under shepherds in the church. Guard and guide them, shield and sustain them, that they will know your joy and strength for their labors. Rock of Ages, we pray for those who have lost jobs, lost businesses, lost savings, lost home, for those facing the likelihood of losing even more. Hide them in the cool shadow of your wings. Provide every good thing for them that you, as a good father, know they need. Indwelling Spirit, empower your people to serve in the ministries listed in the bulletin, to get wisdom and to live by it and to share it freely, to embody peace among the strife of tongues, to present our bodies as living sacrifices, to suffer with Christ in patient endurance. But oh, forgive us, holy Lord, for hating our unbelieving neighbors in our hearts, for opening our hearts to unfettered fear, for closing our hearts and our pockets in any need, for loosening our grip on your precious and very good promises. Assure us, gracious Redeemer, that our sins are nailed to the cross of Jesus, that we are clothed in righteous white robes of Christ, 
that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that nothing, nothing can separate us from your love. For the wayward ones we carry in our hearts, we ask that you would make us instant in prayer for them, and that in your sovereign grace that you, they would be drawn to Christ. For those who waver, for those who are discouraged, for those who are life-worn, we pray that you would gird them with strength and joy and sustain them in their weariness. We pray for our authorities and evangelists, for pastors and elders and deacons and missionaries in Arkansas and on the world around. By your spirit, give them minds clear of the word of God and sharpen in all of them their the, uh, theological and pastoral services. Give them a firmness of character enveloped by a softness of compassion and gentleness. We pray for those earthly systems of authority that you put over us for, our, for peace and well-being our president, Congress, judge and justices, governors and state officials, mayors and councilmen, and for all who serve us in the government. Where their actions please you, bless those men and women in their endeavors and bring much benefit from their work. And where they're contrary to your word, we pray that you would rebuke, thwart, and refocus their efforts, that the public and the people of God in particular would suffer no ill. Give us all fresh confidence that there is no future where you will not be present, no sorrow where you are not near, no tears not kept in your bottle, no locust-eaten years you will not restore. And so we trust you, O oh gracious provider. In, if the curd doesn't flatten, if the market doesn't pull up, if the shelves go empty, and if all our accounts drain to pennies, even still, let us rejoice in the Lord our strength. Let us take joy in the God of our salvation. And lastly, God, we pray for this worship service this morning, that you would richly bless your church this morning and be glorified in all aspects. Superintend the service and take joy in it. We pray these prayers in the name of your most precious Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So the first lesson... Uh, in the Lessons and Carols is the fall of man and the first proclamation of the gospel. Genesis 3, verse 1 through 15. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of all the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the servant said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened. They knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you get, gave to be with me, 
She gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Carl has just read for us in that first lesson the account of our our fall in Adam and our our guilt uh, with Adam and there's no argument that we continue to fall and we continue to be guilty in our own uh, sin as we go about living life on a sin-cursed world but by the grace of God even as we just heard there there is hope there is mercy there is grace to be extended and so then we can come to this point in our service and confess our sins knowing that God will be gracious to us that the a serpent's head has been crushed with, by Christ on the cross. So then let us together with confidence first declare, confess our sins together using the prayer at the top of page 5. And then we'll go into a moment of private confession uh, after that. So let us confess our sins together. Almighty God, you who shaped out of nothing all that is, forgive us for returning empty-handed. You who called forth light, Forgive our preference for the dark. You who sent John to be a voice crying, forgive our unwillingness to say anything at all. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And having confessed your sin, hear now these words of assurance from the prophet Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Our iniquity is pardoned because our king has come. So let us respond then by standing and singing the carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, hymn 203.
please be seated. Our second lesson, the prophet foretells of the coming of the Messiah. Uh, this will be from Isaiah. First of all, we will go to chapter 7 and we will read verses 10 through 14. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as the heaven. But Azad said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Next from Isaiah chapter 9, we will read verse 2 and then verses 6 and 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of the host will do this. Our next carol is hymn number 196, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Please remain seated.
the third lesson, the prophet foretells the glory of little Bethlehem. Micah 5, 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming is forth is from old, <clears throat> from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she is in labor and has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of Judah. <clears throat> the carol is, O Little Town of Bethlehem, hymn uh, 201. Please remain seated. The fourth lesson, the angel Gabriel meets the Virgin Mary, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative... Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Please stand for the next carol. Good Christian men rejoice. Please be seated. The fifth lesson, the Virgin Mary's response to the words of the angel in worship and humility. Luke 1, 46 through 56. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, 
and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servants, Israel, in remembrance of his mercies as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Please be seated as we sing in celebration the carol, Lift Up Your Heads, Ye Mighty Gates, hymn 198. The sixth lesson, St. Matthew and St. Luke tell the birth of Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. 
he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, verse 17, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Please stand for the carol, O Come All Ye Faithful, hymn number 208. may be seated. The seventh lesson, the shepherds are led to the manger, Luke 2, verses 8 through 16. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Please stand as we sing the carol, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, hymn number 200. may be seated. The eighth lesson, the wise men are led by the star to Jesus. Matthew 2 verses 1 through 11. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, 
And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Remain seated and turn to page 211 in your hymnal. Sing God rest ye merry gentlemen. Ninth lesson. John unfolds the great mystery of the incarnation from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, not anything was made that was made. 
In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all whom did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray together. God, our Father, show us Jesus, the Lamb who was once sacrificed, whose precious blood was shed to ransom us from a life of futility, to justify us that we might be brought before God, and that we would have a life of meaning, a life of purpose, with hope and a future. Show us Jesus the Lamb who accomplished our redemption. And we pray this in his name. Amen. The gifts that we will exchange in just a few days remind us of the greatest gift that has ever been given, and that is the gift of God's Son. We read about this in John 3.16. We've sung about it this morning. And as we give gifts, we remember this most precious of gifts, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This Advent season, we've been focused on the Lamb of God. The promise of the Lamb is a substitute for sinners in Genesis chapter 22. The prophecy about the Lamb who suffered in the sinner's place in that fourth servant song passage in Isaiah 52 and 53. And then the Lamb came. The second person of the Trinity became incarnate, broke forth in human history. And John the Baptist saw Jesus coming. And in John 1.29, he declared, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And today we'll briefly reflect on the accomplishments of the Lamb's sacrifice. There are many things that we could say, but I want to focus on just two this morning. The Word of God has preached to us, and these reflections are an exclamation point on the story of redemption that has been unfolded before us in the scriptures that we have already heard read this morning. And first, I want us to look at the accomplishment of ransom by the precious blood of the Lamb. 
Peter in 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 19 says this, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. The feudal ways to which Peter refers is anything that a person might trust to be forgiven, to have life. Things like the Old Testament sacrificial system, trusting in the ceremony of the Passover. Things like self, trusting in our own effort, our own righteousness to make things right with God. And then, of course, things like idols, false religions that may even be made out of what we would call precious metal, silver, and gold, but will never ransom us. In fact, these things that I have mentioned, even trusting in the Old Testament ceremonial law, which Christ has abrogated, but trusting in that results in a life of futility, a life that is meaningless. These things are perishable like the silver and the gold that might be fashioned into an idol that one would think will give them life, and yet it will burn and be destroyed and amount to nothing in the end. The only means of ransom from a pointless life, from a life of sin and death and misery, is the lamb without blemish, who shed his precious, priceless, infinitely valuable, efficacious blood for sinners like you and me in order that we would be the redeemed of God. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed He's been sacrificed to buy us back from a life of futility and misery and to give us a life, to give us a life that is blessed, a life that has meaning and purpose, a life that is hopeful and has a destiny that is heaven. Second, a single sacrifice has brought us to God. Listen to these words again from 1 Peter but chapter 3 and verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. His precious blood shed once, that once for all sacrifice is efficacious, that is, it accomplishes what it was designed to accomplish. The Old Testament ceremonial law prescribed that those Passover lambs, those little lambs would be sacrificed each year, thousands of them, maybe tens of thousands of them for the people of God in the Old Testament. But they had to be sacrificed over and over again, blood shed over and over again, blood that probably could not be contained in all the basins that we might have. 
and the lamb, the fulfillment of what those Passover lambs represented. Jesus was sacrificed once. His precious blood was shed once, and every drop of it accomplished perfectly what God had ordained for it to accomplish. And what, it, what had God ordained for that precious blood, sacrificed and shed once to accomplish, is the redemption of sinners like you and me. The once for all sacrifice was a substitute, Peter tells us, for the, the righteous for the unrighteous. Think about that for a moment. Jesus, who was perfectly righteous and undeserving of any wrath or judgment, he took the wrath and the judgment that sinners like you and me deserved, that we would be free from that wrath and judgment forever. Jesus satisfied God's justice for us in that once-for-all sacrifice where his precious blood was shed to ransom us and to free us from judgment. This once-for-all sacrifice brought elect sinners out from under Adam by uniting us to the physical death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Death in the flesh, Peter says, that we would be free from being bound and captive to sin. And then we are also united, and I'm, we need to understand irreversibly so, to his life, his resurrected life. We participate now, not in death, but in his life, being made alive in the Spirit, as Peter tells us. For Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed, and shed his precious blood once to bring us to God where we are accepted as righteous and pardoned of sin in Christ. We are accepted in Christ as justified. And so as we give gifts this Christmas that, that reflect God's love gift for us, the, the Lamb of God, Consider turning from whatever might be an object or a person or even a ceremony in which you trust, that we would see that the theme of the Christmas story is to turn from trusting these things that are perishable to trusting God's love gift for us in, in His Lamb, the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, to trust the fact that his shed blood, his precious blood does ransom sinners back from a life of futility, of sin and misery and death and destruction. And a sacrifice and precious blood once shed that justifies us that we might come and have a right relationship with God and thereby have a life that has purpose and meaning and enjoy hope and a future, a destiny that is heaven itself. Today, if you have not received God's gift of love, 
and maybe not fully reflected on the Christmas story because the Christmas story is so much more than us giving gifts to one another and us smiling and at a baby in a manger. The Christmas story, the, the, the central message is about ransom and justification and redemption. And today, if you have not contemplated these things, would you consider turning from sin, turning from those things that result in a life of futility and turn to the Lamb who gave His life and shed His precious blood for pardon from sin, for ransom, that ye would have a right standing before God in Him. Would you receive the gift of the Lamb of God? And for many of us here, we have received that gift. We do trust in Jesus. And may we receive that gift anew. May we reflect on what Jesus has done for us, the gift of love that he is. Daily might we trust him and ask him to empower us to walk in a way that is worthy of him. And as we reflect upon all that he has done for us, ransoming us from a life of futility, give, giving us a life of meaning and purpose with hope and a future, and doing all that is necessary that we might have a right standing before God even today in Him, that we might have a relationship with God the Father and be received as a son and daughter, a beloved son and daughter, as we reflect upon all of these accomplishments of Christ and the blessing that they are with us. May we be grateful, may we be faithful, and may we seek to glorify God in all we say and in all that we do. The greatest gift that has ever been given is the gift of Christ, the gift of the Lamb of God who shed his precious blood for our ransom and who was sacrificed once to bring us to God. That's the Christmas story. And may we be encouraged and be brought to a place of hope and joy as we reflect upon the gift, even as we seek to receive Jesus by faith, maybe for the first time or after many times to receive him daily and walk as one who is under the blood of the Lamb with hope and a future. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Bless us with your grace. Enable us to see the fullness of the Christmas story in the gift of the Lamb who is our substitute that we might have life and life everlasting. We bless you, O Lamb of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.